the TieCats Audio Network. This is Speaking with the Enemy. Win and you take one step closer to Grey Cup. 110 in Hamilton. Lose and locker clean out is a day away. The countdown to the CFL East semifinal between the Tiger Cats and Alouettes continues on. Tiger Cats pregame presented by GreenworksTools.com on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. Bob O'Neill and Andy Fantus with you. Folks, ready to get ahead of the cold Canadian winter? Look no further than RedTag.ca. Picture yourself basking in the warm, sandy shores of a tropical island where worries melt away like the sun. Don't let winter hold you back. Plan ahead and beach better. Travel made easy with redtag.ca. On the line with us at the moment from TSN 690 Montreal, the voice of the Alouettes on Speaking with the Enemy, presented by redtag.ca, Sean Campbell. Well, and I'll tell you, partner, last week's vanilla ice cream has been put back in the freezer. Time to pull out all the stops this afternoon. Yeah, I hope they do. Uh, there was a, there was a period of time last week where I felt like they just wanted to get into a bit of a punt off, and at the end of the game, it got a little bit exciting. Uh, you know, both teams kind of changing the quarterback and giving other people uh, opportunities. But uh, it was uh, it was it was fun to be here. I'm glad it was a close football game, but I hope it's nothing like last week, and we're going to get a, a, a playoff matchup to remember. What's the vibe and the energy been like in the Montreal community all week long? It's it's been pretty good because you know. If you think about it, the the Canadians are, uh, they were out on the West Coast, they're in St. Louis tonight, and, you know, the Canadians dominate everything sports-wise in this city, but uh, they played out in Arizona, and then they played out in Vegas, so the focus has been the Montreal Alouettes. They had a week to prepare to get the city ready uh, for this home playoff date. I'm expecting one of their best crowds of the season, and I know it's a small venue and it's tight, but when it's rocking, it actually has a great vibe. And uh, walking up the mountain today, uh, coming to the venue, I decided to uh, kind of take a little detour to go on the uh, Pine and Park area. That's just on the east side of the stadium, and they have the little tailgate uh, set up. Uh, because of the location, it's not like any other stadium there's really not areas to tailgate and parking lots you could sit in just the city's not set up that way with where the stadium is but there's this open field and parking uh, a lot of people are feeling they came early at three o'clock start on a saturday afternoon it's actually a perfect time and it's a beautiful day so yeah it's been a good vibe uh, around the alouettes all week long what do you think is going to be the, the the biggest emphasis to change the the vanilla flavor of what we saw last week compared to what's going to happen today well one, I think that um, both teams probably held back in the playbook. And that's, you know, that's, I think, obvious. And with the Ticats, they didn't even uh, dress Schultz. They didn't even dress uh, Butler. They didn't even dress uh, Tim White. So I think right there, you're going to get a little bit more punch from the Ticats. Uh, for the Alouettes, I think they're just going to open the playbook. Uh, last week, it was very simple playbook. Uh, they went through... A uh, quarter and a bit with Cody Fajardo, and then you had limited plays for Caleb Evans and, and Davis Alexander. So I think you're just going to add another 20, 25 pages, 30 pages uh, to the uh, playbook for the Owls. So that means they're going to be able to do different things. I think that defenses are going to be a little bit more aggressive. No one needed to be too aggressive last week either. So I think that's going to change the dynamic of this football game. It's been announced that uh, Pierre Oliver Lestage has been ruled out for this game. Big loss as he's the most outstanding lineman nominee for the Alouettes. What's that? How's that going to affect things on the Montreal offensive side? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how it is. He's one of those, uh, he, he's, he's a beast and he plays with an edge. Uh, and 
you take him out of that lineup, he's one of those polling guards that, you know, coming around the corner and a DB just sees him coming, they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> because he's looking to hit people. Uh, they're going to bring in Philip Gagnon. Uh, he's played this position before. He knows what they're doing. The Owls use a lot of offensive linemen. They they like to bring in the sixth offensive lineman, sometimes the seventh o- offensive lineman. They use a lot of fullback plays. So overall, they should be able to cover it. But, you know, initially, we'll see see if they wanted to, you know, run to the right instead of the left uh, behind Lestage. Because that's that was that main hole that Will Stanback liked to follow right up the big guy, number 68. But he's not in the lineup today. So we'll see if that changes the play calling for Jason Moss in the run game. Last week, we spent some time talking about the interior defense, but not really particularly right up the middle. And uh, this, you know, you had a late season acquisition, Darnell Sankey, middle linebacker, and um, Mustafa Johnson at the D-tackle position, named uh, named an East All-Star. What What is it about those guys? What did Darnell bring to the team? And what positive what positive variable has he brought? And, and, what, and tell us a bit about Mustafa Johnson in the middle. Yeah, so let's start with Sankey coming in. Uh, Alouettes with a gem of a signing with Sean Lemon, right? We know he gets nine sacks, leads the team, and he didn't even play in the first five games of the year. And he brought a veteran presence. So you're thinking, okay, they, this defense is getting a little bit of a boost, the veteran guy. Then, you know, they had some injuries that they were dealing with. Avery Williams, uh, he was banged up. He was in and out of the lineup. Uh, there was three games in a row. Frederick Chagnon had to start at middle linebacker. And you heard that Darnell Sankey was looking for a job. And I was like, I bet Danny gives him a call. They give him a call. And he's just a football player, Darnell Sankey. He likes to go out there and tackle. And he really doesn't miss tackles. It's one of the reasons he was the leading tackler in the CFL last year. And then in his offseason, oh, I'm just going to go and play in the XFL. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's he just wants to play football all the time. And then he was able to get in. And, and that veteran presence I was talking about, Sean Lemon, it's the same thing with Sankey. He comes in halfway through. Sometimes you, you, you're not part of the group. No, he was part of the group. He was a leader right away. And I think that's game-changing for a defense that, you know, went through some injuries, had a lot of young quarterbacks uh, and, uh, you know, secondary, but they were able to pull that through. And then uh, you get to uh, Mustafa Johnson, probably one of the best-kept secrets in the CFL in that interior of the line. Uh, everybody knows the name Almondo Sewell. And Sewell's there for run defense, just a beast of a body. And I've spoken with Mustafa Johnson. He said that Sewell has just taken him under his wing and really taught him the ropes of the CFL. And he is someone that I think the CFL uh, and other teams and other players are going to take notice of. Sean, you get look at the Alouettes this year. and They're a team that really thrived on sparks, and not only sparks, but points from their defense and their special teams. In today's playoff matchup, can they rely on those those uh, those parts of the game affecting it the same way they have all season? Or how productive does the offense of Montreal have to be for Montreal to win this game today? Yeah, I I kind of felt, and people have been asking me, what's gonna? How did the Owls win this game? And I, in my mind, I think if they get two offensive touchdowns, they they might be okay. Why? Because I think the defense is solid, and they'll be able to keep the Tie Cats out of the end zone as, as best they can. And they do get points from special teams and defense. You can't count on that. You got to count on your offense to get two, three offensive touchdowns, and of course, field goals and long drives and points on every drive if you can. But what the difference is with the defense and the special teams, if the offense isn't going and there's a big play, a turnover, a big return of 50 yards, it does spark the offense. The offensive players, they get a boost from that. And it's about James Letcher Jr. If he gets the ball, I don't even know if the Ticats are going to kick to him. 
uh, if it's not a 10-yard return, it's a 20, 25-yard return, a shorter field for Cody Fajardo. It's for the defense to, you know, have a big stop on a third and two if the Ticats go for it or, or a turnover in the middle of the field. So instead of starting at your 10-yard line, you're starting at the, at the midfield stripe. Those are going to be the difference makers. It doesn't necessarily have to be points and touchdowns, but it has to be about where you're letting your offense start on the field. You know, on the element of that, uh, Sean, I've been listening to a lot of French media, RDS, and there seems to be a lot of conversation about the importance and relationship between Jason Moss and, I mean, Cody Fajardo actually saying that, you know, he was considering quitting football. How much pressure is on him today? He has not been a tremendously successful quarterback in the postseason. Yeah, I would say, you know, there's always pressure, but I think there's a lot of pressure on the Owls as a whole because... You could say they started anew with their new owner and a new coach and a new quarterback this year, but they weren't starting from scratch. This this group is, other than those parts I just told you, a lot of the same parts are here for the same coaching staff, a lot of pieces of the defense. Yes, they've brought in some new pieces, but this, this group feels like they want to grow on what they did last year, and they weren't that far for the Grey Cup. They were in a one-score game against the Argos in the East Final. And to them, it's about progressing for next year. So you go from being that close to the Great Cup last year and then this year losing out in the East semifinal at home, I, I would call that a disappointment. So yes, I think that there's pressure on Cody Fajardo to perform here today uh, for the Owls. If you're looking at their season and they, they swept the Ticats all all three games this year, they're at home, like you said, they they coming off a one-score game in the East final last year. Why? You know, I know spreads don't mean anything, but why are why is the spread so close, and why are the the picks so divided, and so many people on the on the Hamilton side in this game today? Well, I one I think that you know the Ty Cats they kind of had a rough going with the quarterback situation, and they still you you know what kind of week it was in Hamilton, who's going to start and who's going to play, but I think they got an answer of who they think they have their best chance with, and uh, I actually think it's the right choice to start Matthew Schiltz. Uh, after observing, I didn't watch, you know, like you guys watch the uh, Tie Cats. But I think the Tie Cats are, are getting healthy. I thought they played well down the stretch. They were kind of toiling at the beginning of the season, but they figured themselves out. They've got some big weapons. And I'll tell you this, man is CFL, and Andy, you know this, beating the same team in a season three times in a row, that's, that's extremely hard. Now you're asking a team to do it four times? Ah, oh, man, that's, that's, look. That's just not an easy task. Any football team, no matter your record, no matter just beating the same team over and over again, it's not easy in professional football. Well, Hamilton certainly, they won four out of five to, to secure that third place spot, and then they ended up losing the last two. But, but like you said, kind of streaking in the right direction. Montreal certainly on fire, running five in a row. Should be everything, a, a playoff matchup is shaping up to be. Uh, we're, we're pumped over here. I hope you are uh, in your booth as well. What, who's going to be the X factor today? Oh, the X Factor. I I might look at something on uh, on defense. It feels like one of those games Sean Lemon might do something special. I don't know. He's just that kind of player. Well, I'll tell you there, Sean. This is uh, Andy just led up to. Uh, I think there's a lot of excitement right now. Uh, are you happy to see that these games are being played on Saturday? Uh, you know what? It, it kind of works to my schedule pretty well. <laughs> I did miss my son's hockey game today. Uh, but... I, a lot of people are looking at the Saturday versus Sunday, and um, it, to me, it doesn't really matter too much. I'm, I'm just here for football. 
Well, I think we got a good one on hand. As you said, fourth meeting of the season. This one for all the marbles. One step closer to reaching that Grey Cup and facing the Argonauts next week. Sean Campbell, good luck to the Alouettes. Good luck to you in uh, having a great call this afternoon and made the best team win. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Sean Campbell, there from 690 Montreal TSN on Speaking with the Enemy, presented by RedTag.ca.